Two tantricas and a microphone. Where it's at? Sexploration with Monica. Our two tantricas are Evelina Rose and Francesca Gentile. We also have dominatrix Eve Minax. Tantric mentorship coach Evelina Rose will detail her solo erotic practice. Sacred courtesan Francesca Gentile will help us heal from the wounds our culture inflicts upon us with sensuousness and extra gasms. What's gasm? We'll find out. But first, Eve Minax, like the spider, will guide us on how the intense sensations of masochism and sadism can be healing. I think this is an invitation for all of us to become more conscious, which is why I've been talking about meditate, masturbate, rinse, repeat for the last couple of Sexploration with Monica episodes. And I appreciate that you are with me, Paul Brumbaugh of The Edge of Insanity. So we're going to do this with all of these three guests, Eve, Evelina, and Francesca, all on Zoom and on my platform and on his platform and live. And what could go wrong? No, not a thing, <laughs> I'm telling you now. This is sex. Everyone gets what they want. This is sexploration. Explore. Play. This is Sexploration with Monica. Sex is proof that God loves us and wants us to have fun. Sexploration with Monica at sexplorationwithmonica.com. Okay, so anyway, let me tell you more about Gasm. Okay, so the okay. exciting new announcement. What Gasm is, it's like, um, it's the Tantra of camming. <laughs> Okay. And you can totally have your own boundaries and your own desires and turn-ons and kinks, all body positive, race positive, all kinds of positive. It's just about love and light and sexuality and really being conscious right. about the energy that we're putting out there, but also about pleasure. So you are totally welcome to pleasure yourself while you are watching Gasm. And it works in some similar ways to camming, but it's really trying to just be as conscious as possible, as diverse as possible, and as sensual as possible. So one of the things that I've been doing with Sexploration with Monica, I really tried to deconstruct the intellectual issues surrounding sexuality because we're blocked up in our culture. We really have to reintroduce the idea of consent culture. And then some of the other issues, you know, around BDSM and consent and Tantra and consciousness. How do we make sexuality safe and sacred for everyone? I'm really excited to have Eve Minax, Evelina Rose, and Francesca Gentili on the show later in the program. Oh, there we go. Eve is with us. Oh, good. Hey, Eve Minax, how are you doing? I'm great. I like in your background. Wow, you got a lot of stuff going on. Eye candy every which way, my dear. Just for you, Paul. So thanks for joining us virtually. Though I see you have your, your mask in the background for us. Yes, in fact, that's an original damask from the 90s. It's inflatable. It's a rubber hood 
Yeah, I have that. I have gas masks. I have all kinds of fun things. So that's from the 90s. That's almost an antique at this point. They say anything past 20 years old, it's starting to get some value in it. Yeah, well, or lose value, <laughs> as the case may be. It's retro for sure. Let's think about this in terms of sexuality and technology. Because now all of us are having to figure out how do we connect? How do we have sex through these devices? Can we have sex through these devices? And I know... I know a lot of people are better at it than I am because I'm I'm not an early adopter of technology, to be honest, and I love in-person everything. I love in-person radio. I love in-person sex. I love in-person real estate. Having to relearn all these systems, yeah, I don't even know where to plug in my headphones. It's just a lot to learn. So what are some of the things you have been seeing, Eve, as people are adapting to the new normal with COVID and distance everything. When this first happened, those of us who do work for hands-on and face-to-face, we were suddenly very much forced to deal with that. And, you know, like you, I'm not resistant to technology, but when I can be face-to-face with people, uh, that would always be a priority for me. So, you know, suddenly I, I was having 12-hour days trying to learn the best camera for camming, video, audio, Zoom, I had already been using, but not in the classroom sense. And I think in my field in particular, there were a lot of, uh, there still are a lot of amazing people out there who, who did do primarily content work prior to the pandemic. And so they were able to share their knowledge quite a bit. So I was taking workshops and, and all kinds of stuff. So I, I think that those people who really were comfortable with more room remote play, learning, content sharing, have definitely had a, a leg up in this. Uh, yeah, a leg, a leg up, up as it, as it were. were. You're looking gorgeous today there, Monica. Happy. Oh, fall. you are too. You are too. And I can see you on my little camera and then all the cameras. So it's amazing how we can. And the delay is just frying my brain. First of, all, First of all, sensation, sensation and trance and, and, and endorphins that are available with BSM. What have, what you, have, been have you been working on, on lately, lately, Eve? <laughs> yeah, no, so what I'm loving these days, or as Marshall Rosenberg would say, what is alive in me is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's alive in you? <laughs> is the work that's being done to the science and research that's being done for... BDSM and Kingsters communities around what happens when we do the things that we do, what happens in our body, the neurobiology, right? And neurosciences have been getting more and more action over the years, luckily for those of us in the BDSM communities, and I'd say somatic sex healing, what have you, can be very excited about this research. So some of the things that initially came up in the research has been, hang on, I've got some stats for you. So TASHRA, which is the Alternative Sexuality Health Resource Alliances, has been doing, so that's TASHRA.org, T-A-S-H-R-A.org, has been doing this research that can help clinicians and also patients get a better understanding of who they are and how to talk to their clinicians and vice versa. So there's, I've got some fun stats for you. 
13% of kinksters have had a kink-related injury or medical complication with nerve compression due to bondage, one of the most frequent injuries. And the younger the person, the more likely they experienced an injury or medical complication. And do you think now, they're, do doing think they're doing it because they're, because they're not, not able to able find, to good, find good education around the ESM? They're practicing without learning how to do it properly first. Uh-huh. I'm also a person who has lots of rotary cuff, rotator, rotator cuff injuries and tendonitis in my arms from working with my arms so much over the years. Mm-hmm. I can relate to that as a mm-hmm. mature kingster, let's say. One out of four kingsters have attempted suicide at some point in their lives. Hmm. So that, to me, is a very interesting one. I am one of those people. And then two out of three report that doing kink has improved their mental health, which I do. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, because the, because the, trans the trans can be, can so, be healing so healing as long as, long as, long as you, you know, create a safe container, container, approach it, approach with, it with intention, intention and integrity. And integrity. Yes, it's not just about the trans states. That's what I was getting to. So based on this research, then they started to look at the sciences of what different drugs our bodies make at what time. Oh, the endorphins, yeah. Yeah. Because trans is is more like endorphins and dopamine, maybe even oxytocin, but it's not about adrenaline, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Adrenaline is like what raises you up. But then there are activities, you know, if you go in for a harsh caning or if you want to play with needles or something like that, then you may want your body may be seeking that more adrenaline-based activity. So it's also the personality types and what neurodivergent personality you may have can help create the mapping that will draw you to these particular activities that can then help alleviate whatever situation you, you may be in. So for example, chronic pain is another common one. Those who live with chronic pain oftentimes can enjoy lengthy sort of more masochistic scenarios where they can get their body activated through pain. Yeah. yeah. Not the pain that they're living with. You can't, you can't hold, hold two sensations, two sensations at, the at the same time. time. So, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. So then you're not concentrating on the chronic pain that you live with, right? Right. <laughs> totally. It's like a vacation from, and I, I think that keen BDSM activities are like little vacations from our personality types. Mm-hmm. I tend to work well with people who are in their head quite a bit because I like mm. to get out of their head and into that sort of floaty space of surrender. And they need that, but they mm-hmm. can't do it so well on their own. So they need a guide to help mm-hmm. I interviewed Gumby and that's oh, exactly yeah. what he said that he got out of extreme masochism scenes where he would... I interviewed him right after he'd had someone play Mary who had a little lamb on his testicles with a zapper and then was being led around the supper club by a piercing through his septum. And he's like, I have a very stressful job. So I just get to float around through this scene and do what she wants. And that gives me pleasure. And I'm all like, whoa. Mary had a little lamb. Boop, 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 boop. Only it would be like <laughs> only on your <laughs> on your chunk. Yep, he's he's a he's a trooper. I will never hear that song in the same way. Way ever I know. Again. <laughs> life changer. Is also into denial, and I remember one year I was doing a demo at Kinkfest in Portland. He was in chastity, and it might have been a chastity class. And then I had a friend of mine who's well-known in the scene as a wild sexual submissive, and she 
then got all over his body and in his face with her naked body and tease and taunted. <sighs> he loved it. He was so happy. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's actually, so to be clear, this is not my research per se. I mean, my research comes from experience and practice. Right. So I've been participating in some seminars with Tasha where clinicians and common folk, lay folk, if you will, like myself, have been participating in talking about these things. So clinicians can talk about the language is just really amazing. And I've learned so much, but I don't have full language around it. I did learn, I mean, I knew about the vagus nerve that runs up your whole body. Oh, that's the, yeah, the big one. And that activates orgasmic pleasure and what have you. There's all kinds of theories around how the vagus nerve getting activated in certain ways can be orgasmic. And so calming. And there's two parts of orgasm, right? There's the parasympathetic nervous system, and then there's the sympathetic nervous system. So you have to be both stimulated and relaxed. Exactly. And then there are theories around the different types, the D type or the S type, the dominant type or the submissive type, and and how they may. I'm so sorry. I have to let my dog out. Well, at least we know the answer to that. Who let the dogs out? Yes. In BDSM, you get to explore not only your dominant side, but also your submissive side. So even, I think, hardcore dominants like Eve probably have a little bit of a submissive side because she's taking care of this doggy, which needs her every little moment. Right. Twyla. I think you're quite submissive to Twyla. Uh, yeah, definitely in service. I'm <laughs> in service to Twilight, absolutely. And I am service driven. That is something that, that gets me going, and I like receiving service as well. But I like to make distinctions between dominance and tops because, oh, yeah. Dominance DS relationships tend to be very much more about the psychology and the erotic around service and providing service and receiving service, whereas topping and bottoming can be service-driven, but it's more of like an activity. Here, I'm going to give you a good flogging now. Did that feel good? Great. Whereas the DS component may be more like, okay, if you're really good and you do my dishes really well, perhaps I'll give you a flogging and then I'll let you rub my feet. Mm. Those are kind of generic. Quite a reward. Well, you should know you have the most beautiful feet on the planet. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I love feet for some reason. I think, well, okay. So once you let someone love your feet like a lot, then you start to be like, yeah, that is really sexy. And oh, that feels really good. And then I had the pleasure of having someone suck on my big toe. And I noticed, and I don't know what it is exactly. I heard something like, okay, the receptors for pleasure for your feet and for your genitals are near each other in your brain. I don't know if that really explains it. But someone sucking on my big toe felt like as if I had a penis, it kind of felt like he was sucking on it. And that was pretty good. (laughs) I think you kind of get trained. Because you know how you can train someone with pleasurable touch in two places. I'm sure, Eve, you could say more about that, how to train someone to feel sensations in different parts of their body that they heretofore haven't sexualized. Yes, I can. In my lick terms, there are things that you can do to someone that may normally be felt or experienced as non-erotic or less than pleasurable. But if you start to give them a little bit of pleasure, so you kind of dose it, 
So say, for example, spanking is not a common one. I will say, I'm going to use this as an example, but most people really love a good spanking. Can, yeah, can, can we do. agree to that? Sure. Yes. I mean, I also love a mediocre spanking. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not too stingy. Yeah, unfortunately, I like the thuddy. I've been uh, the thuddy. mediocre spankings for years. I, I can't tell you the number of people that come up to me at events or, or write me emails and say, oh, my God, my partner took your spanking class, and I just want to thank you so much because before then, neither one of us knew what was happening, but it's so much better now. And I'm like, oh, because it's one of those that everybody thinks they know how to do well, but really with some tweaking and some... With a little education, boy, so much more is possible. And that's why we're here as sex educators. Yes, exactly. And, and you do want to see your pros. You do want to talk to them and experience things so much better with them. But going back to that as the example, so say you're trying to get somebody interested in spanking, you could be give them some spanks. And then maybe if they're aroused by their nipples, you could give their nipples a light play. So they're getting a little mm-hmm. like, oh, that stings a little bit. I'm not sure if I like it, but, oh, that feels good right on my nipples. And then your body begins to get conditioned and trained. Oh, connected, huh. yeah. So mm-hmm. that then you can eventually move on to spanking without any nipple engagement and they'll be just as turned on. Yeah. Everything's plastic in your brain. If you somehow lose sensation to your genitals, your sex part could be your earlobe. Any part of your body could be a sex organ. Yes. An erogenous zone. Precisely. I actually say that I can eroticize anything. In the beginning. <laughs> and you do. Wait, that hold on. Gherkin, that, totally that one time. Like a, I'm sorry. That sounds like a great game show. <laughs> can I eroticize anything? Eroticize that. Yeah. So I have a class workshop that I present uh, when we are, when humans are together again. I have lots of classes, but one of this one is called, you're going to need an enema for that. Oh, and <laughs> that sounds very serious. No, I'm class. not. By saying, okay, <laughs> give me a scenario wherein you think you could never possibly incorporate an erotic enema. And I will... Okay, can we play? Do you have a scenario that you would never possibly need an enema? Like to buy a stamp. (laughs) To buy a stamp? Yes, I need to buy a stamp. All right. Is Uh, there a way that I would need an enema first? I'm trying to think if I can eroticize buying a stamp. I can certainly eroticize buying a stamp. But how would I incorporate the enema to that? I'm thinking water, liquid, stamp. Oh, oh. (laughs) <laughs> personal aesthetics oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> i love it i think maybe in the past when i threw that question out it was maybe i said with a partner oh because it's a solo part that's throwing me off two people buying stamps one of them sends the other partner into the bathroom and they have to squeeze full bulb syringe enemas inside of them while masturbating before the other person buys the book of stamps. They have oh. To- I mean, that could be fun, right? Yeah. And you're it's- just buying stamps. But it's like a game, and you have to hurry. The clock is ticking. Hey, look, Brandon, it's a YouTube challenge without YouTube. Maybe I should get a YouTube 
channel. I have a YouTube channel, but like, oh. no, I do. I have a YouTube channel too. And there's like one thing on there. <laughs> Hopefully this will make it, but who knows? My videos. You yeah. No sex in them or no nudity and they still delete them just random. Because yeah. you have some sexy business. It's, never, I've never done any demos like naked bodies or activities that would warrant that. But it, I think it just takes one flag from some person or I don't know what it takes to be honest. It oh, I know me. what you mean. I've been censored by a lot of places and I don't have any nipples in my photos. I don't have any, not only pink parts, but I don't even have like underwear. Really easy to get censored in this society. No, I mean, no, I had no nudity, no foul language or anything. Some of the videos were taken down because they were with other people who were doing sex ed. So through their channels like mm-hmm. and such, but uh, no, it was just my content. What happened to freedom of expression in this country? It's never been free to express yourself about sex. How do you guys do this radio show? All in the lotion. Pardon? All in the lotion. (laughs) How do you do this show without getting depressed when you start talking about human rights? and? (laughs) Oh, well, I think it's really important to unpack all the things that we need to change about society so we can start changing it. I mean, it's easy to find people who agree that it should be changed, right? People listen to Sexploration with Monica all over the world and so desperate for the amount of freedom we have here in San Francisco. So it's easy to see that there's a place to go. There's certainly, okay, we can see where we've been. We've been way more uptight and square and luckily that's changing and we're moving forward. So that's always a blessing. And I do think the pendulum of history swings back and forth. So we've been sucked into the dark ages with our Cheeto Nazi crotch grabber, but we will be rocketed into future just as soon as we can get a little regime change, as long as the patriarchy doesn't allow the fascist dictator to not do the change of power after he loses the election. You know? yeah. Well, there is also the judicial side of things. I know. Let's change the topic. I know. We should totally talk more about sex. (laughs) And your projects, your exciting and sexy projects. I do love that the pandemic with the remote situation, interestingly enough, has brought a lot of us together who wouldn't have gotten together otherwise internationally. So it's it's wonderful. I have students now and folks that I'm coaching all over the world. That's been a delight to be able to present workshops and things for people who may not have access to getting to the state so easily. So, so far, I've just been teaching the erotic moments intensives with Cleo Dubois, which I've been doing for 16 years, 18 years, something like that. So we did our first remote one this year. We're going to probably be doing another remote one soon. I'm working on some workshopping around shape-shifting in scene. So how to access the variety of characters that all live with inside of us and bring them out for play in the moment. That so a- shape-shifting, just being able to seamlessly change characters, right? Yeah, and that could incorporate, could be a change of tone. You could turn your head and pull your glasses off and you're in a whole other mode. Mm, and uh, how to pull off that full energetic shift when all you're doing is removing your glasses. 
Absolutely. Oh, cool. I think, you know, you can do it without the objet, but the object. But I think that if you right. have those. But that does kind of help. Yeah. It's a signifier. Absolutely. Signifiers are very important. Thank you, Monica. I actually share that as one of my distinctive ways of addressing play is having a signifier for the beginning, the start, and that could be the collar, for example. And then you have the dance in the middle, and then you have the signifier being redressed at the end for end of play. And there are other signifiers too. So for example, if I put my spanking gloves on, my spanky is like, oh, she's got putting the spanking gloves on. Putting the gloves on. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you got a little excited there, Paul. Yeah, uh, you know what happens when you get excited? What blood, happens? Blood rushes to the surface of your skin. And when engorgement. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Monica. So that's why embarrassment play is also an activity that a lot of people really enjoy because they don't really oftentimes associate that sort of blushing in the face, but your genitals are blushing as well. So you're getting mm-hmm. on Ooh. in a strange way. And so that's why some people are, like, they are very confused on how much they enjoy embarrassment and humiliation play. And wow. Oh, because they're also feeling in their crotch and they didn't realize. So I'm a grower and a shower exactly. at the same oh, time. Look exactly. at that. Exactly. And so professionals like myself can then help validate that for them so they don't feel so, so weird. And everyone thinks that they're, not everyone, many people think that they're deranged or something in a not so good way. So sometimes when we can put the science to it and validate that, that can help. And that goes back to the work that Tashra and Karas are both doing. Tell us again the acronym for Tashra. The Alternative Sexualities Health Resource Alliance. A couple of really awesome organizations that support sex education and research. And it sounds to me like they do both. Like they do their own research and also help people be kink aware at doctor's offices. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah, they're more the medical side of things. And Karas is more of the research academic side of things. And that Karas stands for Community Academic Consortium for Research on Alternative Sexualities. So that's spelled C-A-R-A-S. Mm-hmm. Lots of acronyms. Better just to remember the acronym. Great work. I'm very, very thrilled to be able to participate and learn and practice with them. And there is a possibility I'll be helping them present some trainings to other professionals who are somatically inclined to work in kink and BDSM and healing into their practice. Yeah, let's talk about healing. I just want to hear some anonymous examples of a way BDSM has helped heal your clients. Well, I'm not only a practitioner, but I'm also a participant in a way. I started making these connections many, many years ago before the research was out or being expressed as much. So for me, it's been a practice like Mm self-awareness and observing in my own subjective ways with other people. And so I had all these thoughts and ideas bubbling around in my head, but it wasn't until we started getting more and more research about it. And I mean, I did figure out on my own about the embarrassment, the blood rushing to the, there's all kinds of things that you can figure out if you think about it, like putting someone who's really in their head into deep sensory deprivation to help jog them out of that. So the healing comes from a variety of different things. Like some people don't have, they can't articulate why or how or what 
So as a professional, I need to dig in there and figure out, and sometimes that's through exploration, like, okay, let's try this and see how you respond to that. And responding may mean they may have a breakdown, they may have catharsis, or they, mm. they may so have, they might cry. Sure. Or have some breakthrough in energy around their work or their life. Or they may may be very subtle and it may be over time. So like any other therapeutic practice that layers as you go along. Right. Uh, so there's too many things to list there for you, Monica. I can yeah. also say that I am a sex abuse survivor myself. And so being a dom who works as a sexual top in power exchange has been very healing for me. Right. Currently, I have worked with a lot of clients over the years who had, need some sort of healing around their sexuality, sometimes a traumatic event. You can replay it for them in a way that where they're more empowered. Mm-hmm. And there's also current psychological work being done around encouraging clients. Psychologists can refer the client out to a professional like myself Mm-hmm. and work through some of that trauma. Well, because every time you tell the story, you're rewriting it in your mind. You access the memory to recall it, but then you are resaving a new version with you being more in a place of power. Or at least it's more removed, right? It happened to you a long time ago. You start seeing it in third person. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if you're rewriting the story and you're reifying it, so it's just you're feeling less and less empowered and you know, more disempowered, let's say, then that rewriting is not so great. That's right. There's going to be unhealthy rewriting and healthy. Yeah. So you're helping people rewrite their own scripts. And also that mapping, that neurological mapping that I was talking to you about, sometimes it doesn't need to be shifted, but sometimes it will shift. And, and, and if it needs to go there, then you need to be present with your person so that they can experience that in a new light. And I know it sounds really kind of heady and esoteric, but to me, it's been always fundamentally one of the greatest things in my work is, you know, you see somebody come in burdened by society and you they do don't feel accepted. They've been abused. And then you do this work together and they're like, ah, I can breathe again, you know, mm-hmm. How long does it usually take? I mean, I imagine it's not just one session. Once again, it can be a practice like meditation where, you know, it can be frequent and subtle. You can have catharsis. I mean, generally speaking, I don't believe in one-offs as far as like if you're looking for Disneyland experience or an adrenaline-based high, then absolutely your one-offs will work for you. It hasn't been my practice to be as interested in the, what I call the sort of Disneyland experiences. Although you can get those adrenaline highs in those healing scenarios. It's not that I'm anti-adrenaline. It's just more so what's your intention here? Yeah, I have been looking at in relationships what people want. Are people more dopamine people? Do they want the oxytocin? And then how people's gender and what they ordinarily gravitate to helps them decide what sorts of people am I going to seek? Because if you know the hormones that you're really interested in, you can kind of see, oh, I probably should take scuba diving classes or maybe try some BDSM if you're really into dopamine or something. Yeah. You're actually also kind of addressing attachment styles. So there's, you know, anxious attachment, there's what they call normal attachment, although I think they may be revising that. And then there's detached attachment. 
oftentimes, you know, the age. Or avoidant. And those attachment styles get created before the ages of three, based on how your mother treats you, or maybe she isn't available to give you the kind of attention that a baby needs. And so you become either needy or, I mean, unfortunately, I don't have the language for, you know, which attachment style is the needy one or the avoidant one, right? Needy would be the anxious. And, you know, so they may, that person may have more abandonment issues. If they attach themselves to a detached style that can, if it's in the nice middle range, they can find happiness there. But if it's like this, then that's where you get the person who is more detached will want to be more detached. And the person who's anxious will be more anxious. So they're not doing Mm -hmm. They're, the chemistry is not working right. It's not balancing them out. And I think that's where BDSM and good communication can help as well. You can have relationships with people where you're really clear about the type of relationship that you're having instead of just falling into this is what it is. For example, when my boy Matson and I first got together, we had a mistress-boy relationship. And after a couple of years, it's like, oh, well, It's more of a mommy boy relationship. And so we were able to allow that transformation to occur in a natural way. And it's evolved over time and in other ways subsequently. Do you think that that would have contributed to the healing of his feelings about his relationship to mother, motheriness? Potentially. And my feelings about mothering. Oh, right. Because you have feelings about mothering. Oh, that's pretty deep. Right. (laughs) Because that's like reflecting back on your own experience of your mother. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Guardians, parenting. I think that reparenting is one of the finest things that we do in this work. Oh, and well, I mean, that's what we do in relationships all the time. I mean, that's why our relationships are so hard because we're like desperate to pick our parents as partners. And then so they can, we can figure out how to be with our parents or with someone who is nurturing us in the style of our parents, but then like try to figure that out, transform the relationship, heal some parts of ourselves. I mean, that's why we do the same thing cyclically over and over and over. Yeah. And sometimes that's what causes the crazy because you don't necessarily always want to rebuild that relationship with your parents. Totally. Why can't you just pick somebody else? In the reprogramming way. Yes, absolutely. But the not in right. The- sort of, okay, here I am in the same shit again, 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 right? Right. Mm-hmm. Sexy times. So I'd like people to know how to reach me. Oh, yes. And I know that you have a sexy website. Eve? Oh, bless her heart. So okay. we'll keep going. We've got Eve Minax, who has just finished up her interview about Getting the Kinks Out, a healing and transformative practice with BDSM. We also have Francesca Gentili coming up in the program, who's the Sacred Courtesan, founder of the Sacred Courtesan School, working on a new thing called Gasm, which is really exciting, kind of like Tantra webcam. And Evelina Rose is also coming up later in the program. Paul? That's it. And we're getting close to getting Eve Minax on now. Oh, you mean so she can say what her websites are and everything else? um... EveMinax.com. There you go. Well, I don't know if that's her website. I'm just going to see. <laughs> oh, no, it is. It totally is. Okay, so okay. eveminex.com. Okay. And you see a beautiful picture of Eve, and she's wearing her latex gloves. Right. And bondage, discipline, domination, submission, sadism, masochism, and kink 
relax, she's got you. And what she means by relax is relax deeply. <laughs> she really, really does. She really, well, and that's the thing. Like, she is really an expert in even things so edgy like medical play. She wasn't just kidding about the enemas and the urethral sounding and right. really going deep inside someone's body to some very intense sensations. You're so filled with sensation that you can't even think. It's a very exciting practice, this whole world of kink and BDSM and healing. And you'll be able to find Eve Minax's work at eveminax.com. Eve Minax, but Minax like the spider. So M-I-N-A-X, eveminax.com. Are you there? So we did get her. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a newsletter. I don't send it out often. Feel free if you want to sign up. That's I write probably about four times a year on it. I used to be a lot more prolific. But I know everybody gets inundated with tons of emails. So there's no need for that. But I, if you do want to keep abreast of some of my movements, activities, workshops, events, then you want to go to Eve, E-V-E, Minax, Amazon Mary, I-N as in Nancy, A-X, Dot com and sign up for the newsletter. Shoot me an email if you have any queries or questions about what we were talking about today. And I really thank you guys for letting me talk on the show here. It was a lot of fun. Happy Folsom. Sexploration with Monica. And today's show, we have a very interesting group of both kinds of sex educators. So we're looking at BDSM and Tantra. Eve is more kink. So Francesca has a nice blend of kink and tantra and then evelina is more of a tantra only practitioner so we're doing three styles of transcendence and trans state through sexuality and sexual expression we're also going to talk about manifestation and that kind of energy and then we're going to talk about what francesca is manifesting which is gasm and i'm so excited and hope to be involved Woohoo! That sounds fascinating. And Paul, dear heart, I think it's actually you. So when you muted, our echo went away. Oh, technology, we're all learning it in so many ways. And I love that we're combining kink and tantra and tech and all of it like we all are these days. We're having to combine things that we didn't think we'd have to combine to meet some missing nutrients that we didn't expect that we'd be missing, like right. seeing people or hugging. <laughs> yes. Maybe if you were an introvert, you wouldn't realize that we needed touch and we needed connection. But then how are the ways that we can do that in a safe way? Well, I think even the interviews are the interviews, it, introverts are maxing out. So I resource as an introvert, even though I look like an extrovert. And my son is definitely a card carrying introvert. He and I were talking about even the two of us feel like it's too much introversion. It's too much alone. And there's a sense of there's a difference between I'm choosing to be introverted, or that's where I need to resource. And I'm almost trapped in solitude. I'm trapped in being alone. And those times where I do would normally feel like I wanted to reach out to the world to see the world, I don't necessarily feel safe to do that. So introverts maybe could last a little longer in this quarantine, in this sheltering at home version of the world. 
but even introverts start to reach the end of how much time we want to be alone. And interestingly, with all the waves in the world today of the literal fires here in California and the West Coast, Mm -hmm. the emotional fires around Black Lives Matter and various marginalized communities, also the emotional fires around our governments and so many governments being led by the narcissists and the sociopaths and the psychopaths. And studies actually show this, that although sociopaths, (laughs) psychopaths, and narcissists are only like about 1% in the general population. Somehow they managed to get elected. They actually do. There's actually about somewhere between 5 to 8%, depending on the study, are in our governmental leadership because narcissists, psychopaths, and sociopaths are incredibly charming. They know how to speak eloquently. They know how to say the right thing. They -hmm. know how to look really wonderful. And there's a part of us, it's the wounded child that never grew up, that's always looking for a savior. So we have a tendency to be bamboozled by the person who love bombs us, whether that's a governmental leader, a religious leader, a somebody who's dating us. We fall prey to this because we're hoping to be saved. It's the young part of us that wants someone else to save us. And then we stop thinking clearly. We stop analyzing in that sensitive, multifaceted way, which is good people can do terrible things. And periodically, even terrible people can do or say good things. And we can't just put people in one box and say, therefore, I can stop thinking. Once I identify you as like me, I can stop thinking. Once I identify you as like my religion or like my people or like my socioeconomic strata, I can stop thinking. That if we really want our world to transform, we need to develop the muscles to keep thinking, keep analyzing. And thank you, Paul, for having a show on the edge of insanity. Because what do they say? In the world of the insane, a sane person will often look insane. So in the world of the insane, a sane person can often look insane. Yes, which is why I think as sex educators, we so often get marginalized and lack funding because what the truth that we are trying to bring to power is so rejected by society. We are, if people remember that old fairy tale of the emperor has no clothes, where everyone is being allured by the fantasy of power and prestige. Everyone wants to suck up to or spend time with the king and have this reflected glory of the king. So when the king is also seduced into thinking that his nakedness is actually a beautiful velvet outfit with gold trim, when he's Mm. seduced into thinking this, then all the sycophants, which we all have within us, who are trying to get the reflected glory of the rock star, the movie star, the CEO of the business, the governmental leader, that part of us that wants once again to have somebody else do the work for us and just bask in their glow, everybody's going along with that until the one child says, the emperor has no clothes. And many of us who are in these personal growth fields, these more scientific fields, more sexology fields, end up being that person that says, there's something to to highlight here that is an enculturated trance that is not true, that is not accurate. And I'm getting my PhD in sexology. And yesterday in the class, they flashed up a statistic that says out of 50 states in the United States, only 22 of them are required to give sex education. Oh, I know. And then less one than of them half, is, yeah, less than half. doesn't even have to be accurate. Right. And only 17 of those are required to be accurate. 
Oh. So like it's only a third of the our states are, are the students getting sex ed and that it's accurate. And even among the ones that are giving accurate sex ed, we still don't know how much they're getting. And of course, parents can take their child out. So parent, the child is under 18. So the parent actually has to sign that the child are released, that the child can go to that class. So what we're looking at is regardless of how old you are, whether you're in your 80s, your 70s, your 60s, your 50s, your 40s, your 30s, your 20s, or teenage years, you have never gotten accurate sex information. You have never learned the anatomy of the vulva, the clitoris, the cervix, the G-spot, the prostate, the testes. You have never learned this. You've never even learned the accurate names for them. You've never learned the cycles of arousal, which are more wave-like than porn-like. So porn-like is a train track to the money shot, which is designed that way so that you'll pay money for porn. And actual sexuality has waves of engorgement wetness and then it goes down and then it comes up ebbs and flows ebbs and like flows. energy so mm-hmm. we have young men in their 20s taking viagra because they think they need to fuck like a porn star so we are caught between two extremes that are both inaccurate one is a lack of information and the other is highlighting porn which is actually not the way people make love and so and also how not yeah. how people experience pleasure not how people experience pleasure. So I have been an extra in kink.com and I have been oh, filmed yeah. on Me porn. Me too. <laughs> and, done that together. Uh, it's a movie. It's a movie. It's yeah. not actually mm-hmm. how people make love. It's not how my beloved and I would go home and make love. There's it's, way too much light. <laughs> there's, and it's heightened by thinking, how can I actually bring this to the camera? The models, the actual paid models have a script And there Mm -hmm. are fluffers and there are breaks. So we need to understand that porn and even camming, which is supposed to be more authentic, is still a production in most cases to get your money and to get you hooked. So we get hooked on pleasure because it's dopamine, adrenaline, endorphins, oxytocin, serotonin. It has us feel good. Life sucks. Pleasure feels good. And then if we're not careful, we can literally become addicted to our own hormones and keep pursuing porn or new relationships or swiping, hooking up, because for a moment it takes away the pain of being us. Right. And so the swiping is both Tinder and Facebook because both of those play into your dopamine addiction. Absolutely. Absolutely. The anticipation. patient <laughs> and, and reward. So, you know, we like this and there's nothing, you know, everything can be done in balance. Everything, you know, a little bit of dopamine is a wonderful thing. It's all good in balance. It's just when it goes out of balance. So today from different aspects, from the kink aspect, from the Tantra, from the kink Tantra sexological, we're going to be looking at what is real intimate organic, nourishing sexuality, how do we find it? How do we be it? How do we heal from not ever seeing it and and deepen into something that's really going to work for us? Yeah. My experience as I was becoming a certified sexual health educator is even the sex educators 
don't understand Tantra and they don't understand kink. And so that's where I would go to for expert opinions about how do you make fisting safe and fun? And every woman could have multiple orgasms. It's just why don't we know how or ejaculative orgasms and men can have multiple orgasms too. There's a lot of secrets that even porn doesn't, I mean, I, I guess I don't watch enough porn, but even porn doesn't really talk about in our normal sex education. Absolutely. I would say that in porn, we are seeing a fantasized version often mm-hmm. of a particular type of hormonal journey, which is it starts with excitement and arousal and accessibility. Like, you know, that the people that are on set they're already turned on, they're already hot, they already want it, they're already hard, they're already wet. And Mm -hmm. then there might be just a little bit of like teasing in some way, but then it's going to get to some hard f***ing or something fairly aggressive. In like 15 seconds, yeah. It's going to excite (laughs) us. It's there to like hook and excite us in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. Porn, although some porn will show female ejaculation, What porn doesn't show is orgasmic potential. So the actual orgasmic energy that we can actually choose as an individual to raise and lower in our own bodies, we can choose to bring into communion with another person. And so it's not showing men being multiply orgasmic without ejaculating. Right. And it's not Mm -hmm. showing women. Because that's not the showing of the money thing, right? That's not the money shot. And it's not general in porn. Many times a man will even come outside a woman so he can show it. So he can show squirting his Where it doesn't feel the best. Where it doesn't feel the best. I only imagine. Well, I had a partner that that was somehow, I think he'd gotten that from porn or he'd gotten that from something else. And so he always So that's how he always did it? Yeah. And I found it very unsatisfactory personally. (laughs) Oh, because you didn't get to feel his orgasm on the inside of you, which is something I, you know, because we have those mirror neurons. Oh, my God. Feeling your partner orgasm. It's like an orgasm itself. Exactly. If we're really present, there is spiritual gymnastics on the balance beam of life. We can fall off the balance beam either way. So when I'm having sex with another person, I can objectify them, which is falling off the balance beam one way, saying whether or not you're enjoying this, I don't actually care because I'm enjoying this, which might allow me to rape you, might allow me to get you drunk, might allow me to do all things because I'm just kind of taking from you. I could be, you know, using a pocket pussy. I could be using a dildo. It wouldn't matter. You just have a little bit more fleshy parts around, but I'm actually just using you like I would any object. Hmm. And that's falling off the balance beam of being a human, being a human co-creativity with life. Mm -hmm. And it's actually Mm -hmm. becoming a perpetrator. But the other way that oddly enough that many people in Tantra can, or sex positivity can fall off the balance beam is actually becoming a perpetrator being so focused on feeding off of your arousal. So, Ah. So now I'm the vampire. So it's they like, yes, come. I need right. you to come. I need you to come several times because that mm-hmm. says that I'm such a good lover. That mm-hmm. means that I'm really great. And when you come, then I feel good and I can feed off of you. Now, what's the balance? The balance is I want to be attuned enough to my lover to be in a dance of our energy, to feel with them to try to attune to them, but I'm always going to miss some things. So I want to build the kind of trust where we can talk to each other too. 
I want to not just worry all about your pleasure. I also want to have the courageous vulnerability to share my pleasure and what feels right to me or what I would want to feel more connected or more intimate or more present or more heart open. I want to attune to your pleasure. I want to collaborate with your pleasure but not force you to have pleasure, not need your pleasure to feel good about myself. And also, once again, reveal and connect in communion with you. So that, I would say, would be the balance beam. Sometimes maybe we take turns there. Sometimes Mm -hmm. maybe we are more rough and passionate and primal. Sometimes maybe we are more tears in the eyes tender. And that when I'm really looking at being a fully functional human being, an adult, functional adult, as Terry Real says, when I'm in functionality, I'm co-creative, I'm responsive, I'm collaborative. And just so you know, at 63, I think I've spent most of my life not being a functional adult. We grow older, that's inevitable, but actually growing into functionality and wisdom takes ongoing work. And you're committed to healing. You know, like you are studying healing, not only for others, but for your own trauma as a child. Yeah. And there's just one more level. So I used to hate myself. I used to absolutely hate myself. And I have, oh, I can't believe I did that. Or I said that, or I'm so stupid. And then to try to push that down, I would overeat or go into sex and love addiction or go into attention. And I was always needing to be busy. I was always needing attention. My first career was in theater and television, but there was no loving self on the inside. Mm, There was mm -hmm. no part of me that actually said, I love you. You're worthy. You get to make mistakes. You're going to be imperfect. That's okay. That did not exist. And so I could not take any critique or criticism, none at all, Mm. which is the sign of a narcissist. And I look back now and I go, hmm, I think that I was on the narcissist spectrum, maybe not all the way to the disorder, and these are spectrums, not just disorder points. Mm -hmm. I was on the spectrum because of my inability to accept critique or criticism. And my experience of myself was I was in an enormous amount of pain. But I and not under- because you loved yourself. You actually hated yourself. I actually hated myself, but I would be pretend, and this is true of a lot of our governmental leaders and a lot of our performers, is on top of the self-hate becomes <laughs> arrogance. Sorry. On top of the self-hate becomes, I'm all that. It's so great. I'm so great. It's going to be great. We're going to be great. You're so great. Is sometimes that sense of positivity on the outside actually can mask deep shame. You know, I'm going to make Germany great again. You know, I really am. And you use words like pedophile, Satanist, and baby killers, and people are freaked out. And then you point them towards an enemy, like the Jews and the gypsies, and then you get a Holocaust. Or you point them towards an enemy you pick some immigrants immigrants or blacks or those violent people or whatever you point them Mm -hmm. towards an enemy and then you give them a savior then sometimes even the smartest brightest kindest people don't look too deeply at the savior because those words pedophile satanist child killer those are so bad they get us so activated Mm -hmm. that we get triggered by the younger self inside of us. And we all have a younger self. We all, it doesn't matter how old we are, 
I still have a very, we have all the programs, our brain is a computer, we have all the programs that ever got written to survive our lives, they're all still there, they get activated unconsciously, this is not a conscious process, and then it's like, who's going to save me, who's my hero, I want to vote for that person. Or marry them, or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Yes, we were just talking about that with Eve Minnex, how we can marry people that mirror the attachment styles of our parents so we can, like, on some level, either understand it or transcend it or heal from it. Only if we do that consciously. So if I'm unconscious... And it's so hard, right? I will have the same person over and over again that I'm marrying or partnering with until I actually get the lesson. And I invite compassion for that process, you know, for all of us. We're all here. We're all perfectly imperfect. We've all been traumatized by culture. Culture is an inherently traumatizing mechanism. Mm -hmm. mechanism. And if I'm told there's one way to be a woman, one way to believe, one way to be a man, only certain types of sex are right or good, there's only one way to be successful, and that's through money, power, or privilege. If I'm being taught this one true right and only wayness, then that means I'm cutting off parts of my authentic self, and I'm hiding them. And when I cut off the most authentic parts of me to be liked by you, to fit in with you, I will be depressed and anxious. And now I'm depressed and anxious and it's self-hating. I'm going to be turning to compulsive avoidant behaviors to try to numb out how bad I feel. And I'm going to fall into these traps of getting a similar type of boss over and over again or a similar type of lover, partner over and over again. And let's look at that as a sign. <laughs> it's a sign that there's something to heal. And there's nothing wrong with recognizing that there's something to heal. Well, and I would guess that all this cognitive behavior is learned, positive or negative, right? Like your parents either teach you good coping strategies or they don't. So there is a, a document that people want to email me. I could send it to them called The Map of the Wounds of Culture. My email is relationshipdiva at gmail.com. Ask for the map of the wounds of culture. So in the map of the wounds of culture, we look at that there's common and normal teaching that everybody gets around the body, emotions, aging. And I've actually looked at this around the world, and it's sadly surprisingly normal around the world in many cases. So we're taught that the body is suspect, that the body is maybe dangerous, that the body is going to lead us astray, and that mm -hmm. in some way we have to dominate our body. Now, mm -hmm. falling off the balance beam is just justifying every desire I have and acting it out. That's just off-center, too. But to be taught that our body is negative is also bad. We're taught that on the one hand, we should be sexy or a man should have lots of sex. A woman should mm -hmm. have a lot of men attracted to her because she's sexy. But mm -hmm. yet there's only the right amount of sex to have, whatever mm -hmm. that is. And that maybe sex is better in a marriage without ever being taught how to make it better. And then right. we're taught that emotions are dangerous. Don't go there. If you're having strong emotions around me, I must be at fault. If I'm having strong emotions around you, you must be at fault. And we're not taught anything healthy that emotions are the messenger, not the message. Emotions mm -hmm. come. The person to listen to that emotion is me. Unpack it and then come to you in a collaborative way. We're not taught that. And the one that nobody is taught are boundaries, is that it's my way or the highway. As long as you're under my roof, 
you're going to do it my way. I brought you in. I can take you out. Mm. That we're taught in families in a very hierarchical model. Come here. Hug me. Hug me. I'm your mother. Hug oh, me. Oh, yeah. Give me a kiss. Give me a Give kiss. Your I'm uncle your mother. A kiss. You love me. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Don't say you hate me. You love me. So mm-hmm. we're being gaslit from the moment we're born. We're being told yeah. what to believe, what to wear, how to act, how to be from the moment mm-hmm. we're born. No wonder we who don't to know touch. ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're told who to hug, who to touch, and we're dominated. So when we look at consent culture, I think it's crazy to think that we easily are going to have consent culture because I was never taught and modeled consent. Go to sleep. Eat this. Hug me now. Believe this. I wasn't said, you know, sweetheart, these are some of the options for dinner. What would you like? You know, in general, your dad and I need quiet time after 9 p.m. But if you don't want to fall asleep, let's brainstorm some ways that you can stay diverted so you can stay entertained when your dad and I have some quiet time. Well, I really want to talk about gasm because we haven't talked much about gasm and Evelina is already in the waiting room. So I want to respect her time as well. But I think the thing that I'm most excited about is your new project, Gasm TV. I'm excited about Gasm TV because where are people learning about sex these days? They're not learning about school at home or church. So they're going to porn. This is around the world. They're going to porn. And porn doesn't have accurate sex information, nor is it modeling true intimacy with self or other. So in Gasm TV, we're taking on creating new paradigm, sacred porn, and actually taking on having conscious cameras that are being trained for a month in sexology and tantra and sacred BDSM to really highlight their already beautiful hearts and spirits and skills so that they can bring accurate moments of information, of check-in, of intimacy with themselves and others through the visual medium of camming. Camming is a form of porn. Our goal is to transform pornography, transform the world by reaching the world with where they're getting their information, which is porn, and creating the kind of porn that people can feel good about, not ashamed of. They can show their partner. They can say, watch this with me. It can lead them to great discussions and ultimately lead them more intimately back to themselves in a very self-loving way. I'm super excited about it. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to be a sacred Eros porn star in my 60s. Yay! <laughs> Hashtag life goals unlocked. <laughs> exactly. Gasm TV. So it's Gasm TV right. on Facebook. Gasm Sacred Eros TV on Facebook. We're launching in January, so we don't actually have our camming sites up yet. We're accepting applications, by the way. We're looking yes, for 16, I'm very excited to apply. <laughs> 16 fabulous beings of all genders, races, ages, abilities, mm-hmm. and we're going to be selecting 16 of them to go into a really deep dive of training on multiple levels, as well as how to translate our beautiful hearts and spirits into mwah, the visual medium of camming. And your visual medium is looking very nice today. You're very well lit. You're very sparkly. You're just, oh. Even the mood lighting in the background. In the background, it's super sexy. So nice work, Francesca Gentili. You can find her at francescagentili.com. She's a super sexologist and healer and dark shadow healer of dark states and kink and also the light and tantra. So very excited to have you on the program. 
Thank you, as always, Francesca Gentile. Mwah. And Gentile Mwah. is spelled G is in good, E is in Edward, and T-I-L-L-E, like Gentile, except with two L's. We are going <laughs> to Google you up. Thanks, Francesca. <laughs> Thank you, Francis. Yeah, so we're looking forward on Sexploration with Monica and the Edge of Insanity. I'm certified sexual health educator Monica Thomas. We are going to take a quick break and actually end this Zoom call and then go to the next Zoom call with Felina Rose because as we see, our meeting time is counting down. We have only six minutes left. If we wanted to, we could quickly go. What do you think, Paul? Would you want to quickly go to to to, to eat Evelina at and do six minutes with her and then take a break where I have to riff? The riff but either way. Because we're going to have Francesca. to talk. Yes. Bye, Francesca. So nice to have you on bye. the program. Bye. Delighted bye, to spend dear. time with you. Bye, sweethearts. Bye. And talking about how the endorphin states and all the things that we can explore while we are becoming human beings on this planet. And we're, it's always a journey. We're always becoming more conscious. So we just, you know, figure out where we are, keep moving forward. We're just going to all log into Zoom again. So that's okay. And I, I, um, you I only... go first. Okay. Oh, you're in something. I'm in and I should be getting them there, but I'm kind of cut you off in the beginning no, but we'll it's find fine. out more. i don't mind okay this is um i've st- i've got the meeting id on control whatever and then i just hit join so this is going to be sweet i even know the passcode edge of insanity paul this is so we're getting the hang of this we're getting the hang of this. <laughs> so this is the first time that we've actually done zoom editing and different guests all from different locations around the world and Evelina is actually the furthest away. Evelina Rose is a very experienced Tantra teacher. I love her. I've been working with her for years and years. Her intro to Tantra workshop is super duper awesome. Evelina, you can hear me. I can see see you. you. Life is good. We're doing this. Hey girl. Welcome to Sexploration with Monica and the Community. Got quite an echo, so I didn't, didn't quite get that. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Um, uh, okay, so you're Muted. figuring out the echo. So you're here to talk about manifesting. I also am wondering, you know, you probably do know, and you maybe want to do this yourself. It's like a tantric camming thing that Gasm is doing. And I was trying to tell you about it earlier, but of course I didn't actually send the email until last night, but you, so maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about, but we can talk about feministing, femifesting first. So let's get our femifest on. Okay. That sounds good. So femifesting is this wonderful work that's evolved with me over some years. That's based on the sense that The feminine works with the gestalt, the feminine aspect in everyone, wants to work with the big picture. And so it's more than a play on word on manifesting. Manifesting you're here in current time and you have a goal and you start working out all the steps to the goal. In manifesting, you work with spirit to call in the life that has already actualized all your goals, is living what you want to live the most. And then you go sit in that life and you get to see what it's like and how that part of you lives and 
what kind of fulfillment comes from your dreams and get to feel the confidence of it's already happening. And it kind of like sets an anchor in that future that then draws your life to it. So what I was learning by actually doing the videos that you have produced is there's actually no time. And so you can hang out, even if it's just in your imagination, that's a certain kind of reality that we can create. Mm -hmm. And like hang out with your future self who's already figured out all of the problems that you're having. That's right. That's right. Has already worked it through and has the success of being on the other side of those problems and is living in the reality. So it might even be a parallel universe. It may not just be future. It might be a higher expression of yourself. But it's like once you know there's a there, there, that that's where you could be, it... Then you can feel just, it. Yeah, yeah. It shifts how you live. And when we complete the meditation, we bring all those qualities and characteristics back into current time and then ask the guides and angels to realign your whole chakra system, your energies, to current time informed by that future reality. So it can set you free from a timeline that's just been weighing you down. So I want to explore your journey starting with Tantra and then ending up into actually more of a meditation practice that seems kind of solo because Tantra is all about like eye gazing with a partner, but then more meditation. Or I guess it, you could do meditation with a partner. You could do eye gazing and feminifesting with a partner, couldn't you? Absolutely. <laughs> like, Shazam! Shazam! <laughs> it actually, feminifesting started in a process I did with a partner. So I was going to dinner with a friend and absolutely wanted a better place to live. And I knew a lot of what I wanted in it. So I said, just for fun, on the way to dinner, how about we talk as if we're already sitting in my house? And oh, brilliant. Yeah. And we did it the whole way to dinner. Oh, I love how much light is in this house. Oh, and your kitchen, your kitchen is just fantastic. And all the plants, you look out every window and you see greenery. So we're totally celebrating it for 15 minutes. And I got that house. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's amazing how quickly it works. So I've been studying a little bit of Joe Dispenza and going down the YouTube spirals and like really trying to research this. And I've had my own amazing miracle where... I had less than 48 hours notice and I was able to get out of shut down Spain when Spain was doing the whole pandemic, no flights out of Spain kind of thing and get home. So this sort of thing really works. But, you know, what I'm starting to really struggle with or what I'm becoming more conscious of is how hard it is to always be in gratitude and always be in a place and let your energy in the moment, in the present moment, be in a place of gratitude even when you're not there yet you know even though you haven't created the reality yet you know mm -hmm. it's a little bit of fake it till you make it right that you totally. do gratitude because you know gratitude helps bring what you want 
I also feel the value of femifesting is you've actually experienced what you want. So it like sets it in your consciousness. It's like, you know, you may only have that one night of lovemaking with this amazing partner and it takes you to the heights of ecstasy. And then you're looking for that. And you're looking for whatever would prepare you to live in those states. So it, it kind of helps to draw your life forward by actually being there. I think all of us, we're in our practices, we're not in our practices. We're in the positive thoughts and we're doing so well and then along comes something or someone and we fall fall from grace back into thoughts that don't serve us as much. Mm-hmm. And I think we just accept that's human and we keep working on the next lift up. Before you started creating femifesting, how did you practice Tantra? What would the beginning steps of a beginning of Tantra practice look like for the uninitiated? Well, I was a very uninitiated, so I can tell you that for me, it looked like I was seeing, demonstrated the kind of love I wanted and doing the breath practices. And at first it was just rote. It was like, ha, ha. <laughs> I, had, I had no belief they were going to work. And oh, then, yeah. Then I went to a five-day experience, and one day I saw this couple who'd been breathing and running energy and just doing tantra, and I said, can I stand between you? <gasps> and I did, and I breathed with them, and my body got it. Oh. So that helped me to know. Because mirror neurons. Yes. <laughs> dingle, dingle, dingle. Yeah. Dingle, dingle, dingle. <laughs> yeah. I want that. I want that. Yeah. Right. So it helped me know that I could go to those kind of states and even without a partner. Because right. Tantra is also white tantra. I do a lot of tantra without a physical plane partner. Let's talk about the difference between white tantra and then the other kinds of tantra. Okay. So white tantra is breathing with yourself, connecting with self and the divine. Mm-hmm. And this wonderful phrase from Sufism, Ishq Alama Budlela, God Goddess is love, lover, and beloved. Mm. So in white tantra, you're relating to the beloved nature of God. And oh, that's yeah. part of what you see in mm-hmm. Hafiz and Rumi's poetry, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that making love with the divine. And so it's an upward and an inward direction to really become one with the beloved within and connect to the divine beloved. So that's considered white tantra. Pink tantra been kind of invented in Western tantra as a way to define what I call tantra of the heart. So it's tantra that is about heart connection, soul to soul connection, chakra to chakra connection there can be a lot of sexual energy you're being in your energy and you're sparking each other and then red tantra is where you bring in first and second chakra even more than energetically so red tantra might include sacred spot work really learning how to do yoni healing and healing for men the prostate healing it could be that it could be people really learning better ways of making love. My preference in my teaching has always been to stay in the the white and pink 
I think there are other people really good at the rest. And I wanted to perfect the capacity to be fully engaged, orgasmic, and connected to all of yourself as a solo and a shared practice. That then when you when you do outside, take it into a sexual practice, it sure informs that as well. What I'm using Tantra for is because it's perfect for socially distant dating. You can share energy, you can share sexuality, you can do tantric eye gazing, and that's a way of connecting and in a way exchanging sexual energy, uh-huh. even though we're wearing masks. <laughs> and so what I have found as Sexploration with Monica, the human being, is that everyone is like, oh, I want to have sex with Sexploration with Monica, but then they don't stick around to get to know me, the real person. And then my relationships are very short. And so I'm using this time where we're actually having to get to know the real person. And we only have three to six months where we're just high on each other's pheromones. We don't see the real person anyway. So that's how long my relationships would actually last. And and now I, right. And so I want a real boyfriend da, 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 that's going to last the test of time. And so... What we're going to do is we're going to use this COVID time so I can pick the right person. So I'm swiping people that actually have like a description in their profile (laughs) and, you know, someone that I really feel that I can connect with, but then we're not going to be getting high on each other's pheromones right away because we are actually socially distanced, getting to know each other. And so we can develop compassion and knowing for each other's soul by looking into each other's windows deeply and doing the eye gazing and then also having some satisfying feeling of connection while we're just outside in my yard having some takeout (laughs) it's like a little experiment that i'm trying to have fun what are the good things about having a global pandemic you get to know your lovers before you know them like and that's something that's really alien in our lovers right it's really alien in our culture usually what the standard is is you have sex on the third date kiss on the first date and that is keying into you start to get hooked on their pheromones as soon as you start kissing i really think getting to know each other this level of distance i mean i think making this a positive was maybe the smartest thing I've ever done. We'll see if I can get an actual boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, it is smart. Or girlfriend. I mean, or girlfriend. Absolutely. They're both. Well, girls. isn't that also like? Yeah. Kind of, I mean, the last time I was dating was actually when there before there was online dating. Oh. Before you could swipe left or swipe right. Online dating for me was going to make a VHS videotape and turning it in. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. So. Isn't this a good way? Isn't this? Are we getting back to basics this way? Are oh, we getting you mean to know taking people? time? Well, I don't know. If you look at the way I think other people are using Tinder, not everyone is accepting it as an invitation <laughs> to become more conscious. But you know, hey, if you're hearing my strategy and you're like, hey, maybe that would work for you, and you've had trouble getting a long-term relationship that's really long. Maybe this is a strategy. Really get to know people before you have sex with them because there's so much that's like kind of addictive about new relationship energy that we explore in sexuality. 
the reason I was so drawn to sexuality is because it's so fraught with pain and lack of education is what most of the problems stem from. So I thought, well, you know, if I could just get educated and then share that with people, I would be able to start to unravel some of the problems that we're really seeing in the culture around sexuality. And so I think, Evelina, that's probably what drew you to study more about Tantra is because of past experiences of trauma. Exactly. It's so common. Mm -hmm. And wanting to know that there was something that touched more of me than just sex. Right. In a way, mm -hmm. we're, we are getting back to more like a courtship. Right. And I mm -hmm. think it means by the time we're moving into making love, we know it's someone we want to make love with, we want to be bonded with. Right. For women mm -hmm. especially, once you're entered, you're kind of bonded to that person until you decide you're out. Well, so, especially physically all the germs and everything else women are much more susceptible to all of the different kinds of sti transmissions and then testosterone is antagonistic to oxytocin so women are much more likely to fall in love with their sex partners when you start learning about the biochemistry of sexuality you start to see like oh that's the reason that there's this divide between the way women are in sexual relationship and then the way men are in sexual relationship. And of course, the other thing that I'm, I don't know, turned on by or interested in is that you get testosterone when you're making out with a dude. So that's what turns you on more. You're really activated by getting that extra mm, testosterone. You're literally sucking it out of his face. And so <laughs> if we could slow down not suck so much testosterone out of his face, like really figure out who he is, you uh -huh. know, before we're getting exposed to his COVID and everything, all the other really choose because everyone's got some baggage. What sort of baggage am I interested in saying yes to for the rest of my life? And you, what I really noticed is I really want someone who has positive energy, right? Like even if you're down, you can still look at it. Here's the way to make it better. You know, here's the way to stay buoyant and not to just get sucked down into so much darkness. That's what I'm really looking for in a partner. What comes to me as you're speaking that is we may all have baggage, but you want someone who's made a habit of taking out his baggage. Right. Who's working right. on himself, who's got some communication skills, who has a value for whatever comes up. Let's talk it through. Let's work it through. Because we're all works in progress, right? No matter where yeah. we're at in our lives. Because well, if we're all stagnant, then there's an issue. My coping mechanism is we're all weird. Yeah. We're all weird. So and diversity is good. Yeah. So you get to see where that person's weird rather than try to make them fit something that nobody does. Yeah. No, I think that's really important. And I think that when we start to accept our weirdnesses and grossnesses, and especially when you're really getting deep into a relationship, you start to see their vulnerabilities. And one of the gifts that I think, you know, whatever God gave us is that when you're really turned on, your gag reflex is really turned down. So you're not as grossed out by anything that's like fluidic. So that's like nature looking out for you, looking out for the human species so we can like still reproduce, even though we're making so much fluid. 
<laughs> the body and mind are a wondrous thing. They are. I mean, it's really, there are so many tricks that if you look into physiology and you really pierce the veil of what we're not talking about with sexuality, we can learn so much. Tantra is exactly one of those good examples. Evelina, you can probably share with us one of the first few things that you learned in studying Tantra that you're like, wow, this is something that I never even thought about before. The first thing that captured my interest was seeing that there were two leaders and they were so in love hmm. and they had a Tantric connection. And to see them looking in each other's eyes and especially the man looking at the woman with just such reverence and honoring and that sense of worship that Tantra is really about. And what I saw was the power of a Tantric life, of a tant ongoing Tantric practice and how that could help both people really evolve individually and together. And it's the practice that to me supports the relationship. So this kind of relates to the vagus nerve, that when you're in a practice, you're meditating together, you're orgasming, you're running energy together, that activates the vagus nerve. It kind of lifts your whole psyche up, all your organs. You can literally achieve higher states of consciousness through the practices. And from those higher states, some of the issues just aren't issues. Mm. They don't matter as much. And you're not so likely to get triggered in one of your old coping mechanisms. That's what captured me the most was, wow, if we, if we do this together or if two people really practice, and even yeah. not in relationship, I can still practice with my divine beloved. Mm -hmm. Well, and one of the things that I really felt healing around is that accepting yourself is the big work of Tantra. Loving yourself, that you are your own best divine beloved through, and you're going to be with you forever. That's right. <laughs> I think loving yourself is the hardest. I mean, that's the hardest thing. And especially when you're only relying upon another person to love you for the place of your own self-love, like you're not able to do it, like that's going to get you hooked into some really unhealthy relationships too. You're letting them do all the work of self-loving. Right. And you're only okay as long as they're holding that for you. Right. And what mm -hmm. wants to happen is getting more and more self-reliant. That Even if you're loved by another, you're always loved by you. Mm -hmm. And they can step back and you're still always loved. Right. I think one of the gifts of COVID is a lot of people are home and they're like, okay, I gotta be sourcing mm -hmm. love for myself. I've been asked to teach Tantra in some of the festivals online. It's like, Tantra online? Mm -hmm. But we've found ways to teach Tantra that will still spark oxytocin. So touch, for instance, mm -hmm. you might one person would describe to the other and show them exactly how they like to be touched and the mm. other mirrors it completely so you get to see them in effect touching you oh you right and then your mirror neurons will actually so not only are you creating the experience of touch on your body yourself 
Yeah. Oh, and then I'm like wanting to touch myself because I'm seeing you do it. (laughs) That's very smart. Yeah. Mm. And so you can actually get and share oxytocin, even though it's just a Zoom meeting. That's incredible. Exactly. Exactly. So what are some of the other projects that you're working on going forward? I know that you've been working on Femifestation for a while and you have Love Journey Tantra that you're working on. Well, the next thing is a free three-week Femifesting class. I just Mm. launched my new website, the Mm -hmm. same URL, evelinaruiz.com, but I launched it all fresh and new. In celebration, I'm offering this free three-week class starting Wednesday the 30th, and it's 45 minutes for three weeks, and you get three of the Femifesting meditations for free. And if you really practice in between, you can win points and win sessions with me. (laughs) Big promo. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and it's funny because I think people get inspired about, I'm going to take this class and I'm going to be doing the actual meditations, but then you, you don't actually do the meditations, right? Like you're like, oh, I'm too busy. I'll do it tomorrow. Unless you really make a point to give yourself that gold star and that little dopamine reward. Like sometimes you will fall right off the wagon after your injection of enlightenment. You have to re-up. Maybe you could just support yourself by actually doing the meditations. I find that they really help you get to, (laughs) when you get into that meditative space, in the evening, it can really help you let go of some of your thought cycles uh, that can keep you up at night. Exactly. So that's one project I've got going. And Mm -hmm. if anyone goes to my website, they can sign up for that class and get the free Femifesting videos. Mm -hmm. And then the other is mostly now I'm teaching Tantra in festivals online. I would have been out for the Oregon Tantra Festival and Soul Place. I know you were out for the Oregon Tantra, but you were in for the Oregon Tantra Festival. (laughs) That was so exciting. Yeah, we did it online. And I created a workshop called a Solo Erotic Practice for that Mm -hmm. festival. Mm -hmm. That I may want to offer again, I think. Well, we do. And I think making sure the eroticism is in our self-pleasuring practice because one of the things that i found was that the pandemic was giving me so much anxiety around financial stuff and my health stuff and i mean just there's just a a cacophony of things to worry about so i'm touching my genitals in my self-pleasuring practice but i'm not really actually feeling any eroticism and any pleasure because i'm having trouble staying in the moment because my mind is so loud i ended up having a crygasm instead of an orgasm and then i had to like let go of self-pleasuring practice for a while because at first it was really good but then at some point i was teaching my vulva I was kind of using it for the release of sexuality rather than connecting with my vulva. And so my vulva just got turned off and like went away. It said not. Don't come here. Right. Don't. Yeah, exactly. You You have to fill up. You wouldn't want a lover to go right there first. Right. And so the solo erotic practice was helping people (laughs) date themselves. So maybe you dance with yourself and you ask the inner masculine to dance Mm -hmm. for you and the inner Mm -hmm. feminine to dance for the masculine. Mm -hmm. And then you inner touch by 
touching lightly all over your body and right. you lift your body up and you get some feathers or something soft to play over your body. You get the whole body aligned yeah. before you go to your beautiful vulva. It'll be much Totally. Better. Yeah. Yeah. It's Cryogasms are okay too, but you know, it was just a learning experience. And then I was like, oh no, I, I didn't just ruin my vulva. It's, it, it, it will come back. I just had to leave it alone and then touch it with some more arousal and juice and everything else so yeah it was it was it's been an interesting journey because it's been going on the pandemic so much longer than we expected and i also wanted to tell you a little bit about gasm because i'm super excited about my own potentially participating in it so gasm is camming but with consciousness and tantra and we're doing sex education through being in people's homes with the internet, with Zoom, but only doing it in a conscious way, not in the same way that porn does it. We're modeling pleasure and sensuality and sensation, but we're doing it in a conscious and in a way that honors diversity and all the levels of all the different ages and races. And I think it'll be really exciting. So Gasm TV is coming up and I did email you about that. And also, will you tell us again how to find you on the internet? It's evelinarose.com, and it's spelled E-V-A-L-E-N-A, evelinarose.com. I'm also on Facebook, Evelina Rose, The Alchemy of Love, on LinkedIn, Instagram. Come play with me. Awesome. And one more project, which is oh, yeah. a Tell us. mentorship. Mm-hmm. So I've created, this is my second round for six weeks, a very select group of entrepreneurs, private practitioners, business owners, CEOs, people that are ready to do some deep dive mentoring. They sit with me and the Council of 12. We support each other. And it's just been extraordinary for people. Well, thank you so much, Evelina Rose at evelinarose.com. Paul? All right. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for hanging out with us, with us Evelina. Yeah. yeah. So we're so here, we're with, here sexploration with Sexploration with Monica, with Monica and, the and the Edge of Insanity, of insanity with comedian with Paul Brumba on and and Mutiny and FM here in the Mutiny FM studios at 21st Street in beautiful, still sunny, luckily there's a blue sky today, quite warm, Mission District, San Francisco. Thank you very much for tuning in this combination. But again, check out all these artists that we've had on the Edge of Insanity today on our respective Facebook pages for myself, Monica, the rest of the Edge crew, Brandon, next week's guest, Dave Ernest from Psycho Kitty. But until then, keep standing up and we'll see you next week. You can subscribe to Sexploration with Monica on iTunes and have new episodes delivered automatically or download free podcasts at sexplorationwithmonica.com.